good Wednesday afternoon to you. This is the Amron, Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. I'm Joe Roderick, joined alongside by Mike Claiborne, also powered by Graybar and driven by our friends at Munganass St. Louis Acura. Klaibs, welcome back to uh, to America. Um, happy to be back for sure. Uh, it was uh, quite a journey. You know, you have to think about we started off this journey uh, in New York. And then went to Washington, then hopped a plane to go to London and uh, play the games over there, uh, flew back. The, the biggest challenge to me was trying to get back because it was over an eight hour flight and going through customs and all of that. It, it became an adventure. But one thing I'll have to say uh, from a Cardinal standpoint, uh, Ernie Moore is our traveling secretary. And uh, he had a real undertaking because not only was he taking the team, but he was taking family and other employees. Uh, on a different plane, different airline. Uh, and, and Mark Walsh, um, the equipment manager, he and his staff, how they were able to manage to bring all of our uniforms. Remember, we had the home uniforms in London, the blue uniforms in New York, uh, the gray uniforms in Washington, uh, and the uh, uh, cream color uniforms on Saturday. I mean, so we had four sets of uniforms that had to be shuffled back and forth, not to mention the the other equipment that comes with those uniforms. Uh, an incredible undertaking that from the surface looked flawless. Uh, you know, I mean, again, maybe I'm sure there was maybe a, a slow leak in a tire somewhere, but overall, um, I don't know if, if, if anybody could do this on a regular basis, but we were fortunate enough to have those guys involved and their staff. I mean, they had some other people working with them. Uh, but that, that to me was the real marvel of this whole thing. Um, the people in London were, were terrific. MLB did a phenomenal job giving you a, a Midwestern ballpark feel. The organist, the PA announcer, they even had cheerleaders and Fred Bird. And I don't know what the Cubs mascot's name is, uh, but they didn't miss many tricks with regard to making you feel like this was a, a, a real game. Uh, the field was in good shape. So, yeah, it, it was a good thing all around with the exception of the food. Was this your first time in London? No, I've been there before, but I kept okay. thinking that it was going to get better. Um, so what you have to do is don't go to, you know, everybody can do fish and chips, okay? Theirs are a little greasier and maybe just not as flavorable. So you have to find like specialty restaurants. Like, so I have an Italian restaurant I go to. Uh, there's a couple of other places I'll go to. But uh, Large Newt Bar said it best. He said, if you want to lose weight, go to London and just eat their food because A, they serve it in very small, very small sizes and B, it's not very good. So you won't eat it very long. So uh, it, it's that was the only thing. But you know, other than that, it was a it was a phenomenal trip. We split against the Cubs. But more importantly, Cardinals went five and three on the road trip. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that's a plus. And so they've since increased that uh, by beating Houston. So, you know, overall, I, I think we're at a pivotal time of the year because you have like 13 games here before the All-Star break, okay? And you have to do some damage. You have to do some real damage in that situation if you want to do something. So I think in this situation, uh, this is a pivotal time going into the All-Star break. The Cardinals, I know it's 13 games, well, the 12 games. Now, hey, if you go 10-3, and three, you're back in it. I think, you know, we've Rammer and I have been talking about this on, on daily cards as far as the, the record goes, as far as is this a lost season, what to do with the trade deadline. And I think 
it, you don't look at it 13 games under 500. You don't, you can't look at the record right now. You need to look at where they stand in the NL central because you and I have talked about this for the past few weeks. Nobody wants that NL central. Nobody no. wants it. It's the, you know, the, the Cubs started off really well. The, the Brewers were up there. The Pirates got off to a good start. Now the Reds are the flavor of the month and all these teams are coming and going and dropping off and nobody is running away with it. You don't have a 50 win Braves team in your division right now. So yeah, it's, you know, times are tough right now. 13 games under 500 looks really bad and sounds really bad when you say it, but what is it? What are they? Eight games out right now in the the central eight games out. Doesn't sound all that bad. They've climbed back from eight games out before. You're right. With less time. Yeah. So you're spot on. And I, I will give Milwaukee credit. You know, they're the one team that has always stayed near the top. And when you look at their lineup and you ask yourself the question, how? Now, granted, their pitching is good. Not great, but good. Uh, But they found a way to remain relevant in this division uh, compared to everybody else who's had a kick at the can with the exception of the Cardinals and the Cubs. Yeah, right now, yeah, eight games back of them. I mean, they're they're three games back of the Pirates now for for fourth place in the division. The Pirates, it just seems like a few weeks ago, were in first place in the NL Central. So it's just it's crazy to think that the Cardinals have just been at the bottom for so long. But it wasn't that long ago that they were what a game up on the Reds before the Reds went on this yeah. on this recent run of theirs. So well, think about the Pirates. Two weeks ago, they were talking about looking to buy during mm-hmm. the uh, season. They 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 weren't going to be in, in the sale business. And now you hear that McCutcheon might be available, you know, for the right team. So you, you just never know what you're going to get here. Um, so, and I touch on what you said earlier, this, this thing is still wide open, but I think leading into the all-star break is a very critical time for them to be able to make a statement. The, uh, the, the they came back, uh, the Cardinals come back last night. They beat the Astros against Valdez too. The Astros best pitcher. They, th- that was, <laughs> they, they fought them hard that game. I don't know if you guys were talking about this at all on the radio broadcast. I was listening to uh, the Chip Carey and Jim Edmonds on the TV side of things. And, and they were pointing out that there was something that the Cardinals, either the Cardinals saw or something wrong with Valdez, that he was going away from his fastball a lot last night and going a lot of off-speed pitches and the Cardinals were forcing him to work a lot and put him in tough situations and high-pressure situations throughout the game, making him uncomfortable the innings that he threw. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think the Cardinals were patient. They didn't chase as much, and I think Valdez thought he could get them to chase. You know, this guy has one of the lowest ground ball rates in the history of the game since they've been tracking it. And for the Cardinals to get the ball in the air like they did last night just says uh, how well prepared they were and and being patient, as I mentioned, to not put themselves in a position where they were getting themselves out like he's been able to get other teams to do. You know, let's, let's talk a little bit of trade deadline because, yeah, eight games out right now, not, not end of the world yet. <clears throat> and John Moselec has come out and said that they don't plan on being sellers that it, maybe it's a retooling situation. So I, I don't know which direction you want to start with this. I, I heard you yesterday. You were on uh, on 101, and they brought up the Paul Goldschmidt potential uh, trade there with uh, with him being moved, and that kind of seems to be the big rumor right now as to whether or not the Cardinals would move on from him. But So, so let's start there. You have been adamant about the Cardinals not moving away from Paul Goldschmidt. No, I, I don't see why. I mean, um, I know he's getting older. I know he's got another year on his deal. Uh, and can he help somebody? Yes. 
but he can help the Cardinals more than he can help anybody else. Because my question is, you want to make these deals. So if you're making these deals and you're moving a Goldschmidt, then basically you're surrendering. So yep. now you're acquiring prospects. And I think we've all learned that prospects mostly turn out to be suspects. And, you know, if you, that just furthers your chances of, of, of being successful and consistent. So I, I don't see him being a guy. He's one of the leaders of this team. Um, I think he has too much to offer for a team that needs leadership by example. Think about this. The two corner guys and uh, Wilson Contreras are the only guys on this in, in the starting lineup that have more than three years experience. And when you look at it that way, these guys are still trying to figure it out themselves, how to deal with slumps, how to deal with hot streaks, how to deal with injury, how to play through situations. And if you don't have a Goldschmidt around, I, I think you really put yourself in a, in a very hazardous situation where you, you just won't get out of it, not only this year, but perhaps down the road. So let's talk about some names that might make a little more sense then. Jordan Hicks, Paul DeYoung. Those are the two that jump out at me. Paul DeYoung has been a name that I think has been talked about all season. Jordan Hicks, I think, has really increased any trade value he's had over the last two weeks. So let me ask you, why are you trading a closer? You don't have one. I, I Just his contract situation. I think you get it. You get stuff out of him before you potentially lose him. Well, who's right? to say you're going to lose him? I know what it'll take to get Jordan Hicks, okay, to get him to stay here. And it's something that's reasonable. Um, you know, I just think the Cardinals needed to see it for a reasonable period of time. Uh, I think they'll go back at him. and I, I don't think Jordan Hicks is going anywhere. You know, so I think if there's anything we've learned this year, how hard it is to have someone close for you with consistency, and you're going to hand over the one guy that, can, that has shown he can do it in mm -hmm. small sample size, but you, you're going to hand over a guy that, that you now see that can do it on a consistent basis. For what? What what are you getting in return? Again, I go back to this. You're looking for more prospects? No, we don't need prospects. We need people who can play. So if Jordan Hicks, if you're seeing this out of him, how much more do you need to see out of him to maybe give him the job and bump Ryan Helsley off? He has the job. You, you he's the he's your closer now he's when Helsley closer. comes back? Yeah. I would know I and I agree with you on that because for, I, I think we saw it last week. Hicks went out there and closed three days in a row. There you go. And that's it. There I mean, Hicks go. closing three days in a row right there, that immediately jumped him up to the front of the line there because that's something that we have never seen Ryan Helsley do. It's fun to watch Ryan Helsley when he's on. When Ryan Helsley goes out there and strikes out three guys on 10 pitches in an outing, you look at that and you're like, you know, this is the best closer in baseball. But then he can't pitch the next day, and then he struggles his next time out, and you go, okay, what happened? I think uh, what they say, the man said, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> okay. So, you know, perfect world, perfect world. You have Hicks on the back end. Maybe if he has two days in a row, here comes Helsley. If Helsley's not in, if Hicks is not, is Hicks is good, now you have Helsley to give you coverage in the eighth. You have Geo to come in and get lefties out or, or either side. And now you have um, Stratton, who has been very good, you know, uh, as far as seventh inning situations. Uh, you have him and you have Palante to, to do deal with guys with reverse splits. So you finally have a nucleus in your bullpen that you really feel comfortable about. And for a team that has blown, what, 15 saves, op yeah. save opportunities this year, 
to hand a guy over who can actually get people out in the ninth inning, I, I don't think it's something we're going to see them do. And has lost how many just countless one run games too. And yeah. just it. Yeah. For, for that. It's funny. I mean, here we said it is June 28th right now. And we're sitting here talking about how they finally figured out that nucleus of the, of, of the bullpen. It's, it always just makes me laugh back in March when people want to complain about a bullpen and complain about what teams do and don't have, because it changes every year. And whatever that bullpen is on April 1st, will not be anywhere near what you thought it would be on July 1st. Never. Well, it never I, works out that way. No, it, it, no rosters like that. And, and I think we've talked about what you start with is not what you're going to finish with. This team will have a different look come the day after the trade deadline. This team will have a different look come September 1st when the call-ups take place. This team's going to have multiple looks between now and the end of the season. And uh, so I just tell everybody to stay tuned on that front because there's a lot more uh, baseball and talent to be reviewed and, and evaluated to make a decision on not only this year, but the future. A lot of other baseball stuff to uh, to get to. We'll try to touch here in this hour of the Ameren, Illinois lunch show with Claves and Joe. In the meantime, though, Claves, uh, we have a, a lot of sponsors that we have to get to, including our friends at Fast Eddie's Bonaire. What's the latest with uh, what's going on down there in Alton, Illinois? Well, you know, they're serving cold beer and anybody who likes cold beer at this time of the year, and I'm sure you do. Uh, this is a place to go. The Peel and Eat Shrimp, the Fast Eddie Burger. And oh, by the way, there's a dispensary right next door. So all of your entertainment needs, for the most part, can be served in one little block. So we invite you to go down to Fast Eddie's just across the bridge over in Alton, Illinois, at the foot of the bridge. You can't miss the place. You make one right turn and you're there. And once you get in and you see why this has been like an institution, not only in the Alton, Illinois area, but so many people cross the bridge to go over to St. Louis, go over to Alton, Illinois and hang out, whether you're going to play golf, whether you're going to have lunch, maybe it's a family night. Well, family night is less everybody's over 21. You have to be over 21 to go. Family night for your family, Clay. There for you your, go. Yeah, for your, not my yeah, family, not, no. Your young is no. going to have to stay at home. <laughs> stay in the car. I don't know where you do with them. But anyway, yeah, it's a great place to go. So we invite everybody to go check them out. And while you're over there in your Alton, Illinois, why don't you swing by and see our good friends at Munganass Automotive at, uh, in Alton, Illinois. Munganass Burkhart Automotive Toyota. Uh, they have everything you're looking for, including a huge selection of used cars as well or as we like to say now, pre-owned. Pre-owned cars are available there, and they have a wide selection, but they're starting to get more new cars in. So if you're looking around for a car and you're thinking about making the change, you'll be amazed not only at the selection, but the financing opportunities are available to you as well. And, of course, you're going to get the best service there is when you go over to Munganass Burkhart Toyota over in all Illinois because that's what they do. And they also, uh, yeah, all the repairs they do on the cars, too. About two weeks ago, the AC in my car went out. Oh, went and took it over. Yeah, <laughs> went and took it to uh, Munganess Burkhart, Alton Toyota, and uh, their service center there was able to uh, to fix it up because, yeah, the uh, middle of June, and especially this week, driving around a uh, car without any air conditioning just is not, uh, that's not viable right now, especially with the temperatures we are about to get. Hey, let's take a break. We have uh, well, so much more to get to NHL draft, other baseball stuff, and we will get to all of that right after this Ameren, Illinois Minute here on the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. 
Well, there's a really epic storm with lots of outages and, and lots of damage. Does Amber Illinois, do they, do they reach out to other companies? We do. We're part of what we call the uh, Mutual Assistance Network. And uh, that's other companies here in the Midwest that if we need assistance, we can call in resources from the generally contiguous states of Illinois. In a very big storm, uh, there are different mutual assistance organizations across the country. We've called in folks from as far away as Texas and Florida, uh, Colorado, to come help out in the storm. And we do the same when uh, hurricanes hit Florida and, uh, and the Gulf Coast. So uh, we, we do help each other out. We have uh, a resource in linemen that are in limited supply, so there's only so many linemen in the U.S., and we know that we have to support. Back here on the lunch show, the Amarin, Illinois lunch show with Klaibs and Joe, also powered by our friends over at Gray Bar and driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura. Uh, tune in later today. It's Daily Cards Live. Rammer and I will bring you a preview of Cardinals and Astros later on this evening. Klaibs, uh, quickly, back to the game last night. Uh, off the field, we saw the, the smoke coming in from Canada as the, uh, the game went on. And on TV, it didn't look, I mean, you could see it coming in. But they were talking about how it was affecting the players. That really wasn't something you could see in the uh, on the TV broadcast. How bad was it being there in person? Well, from where we sit high atop, you could see more of the haze. When I went down on the field, I didn't really see the impact. Okay. So whoever felt like some guy was going to pass out, I don't know who that could have been. But... I don't think it was passing out. I think it was like fly balls if they were able to yeah, see and judge those. Maybe a little bit. I mean, you know, again, I wasn't on the field to be able to shag balls, but uh, from where I stood going out to talk to Nolan Arenado, uh, I didn't really sense it as much on the field as I did sitting in the booth. Yeah. By the way, Nolan Arenado leading right now in the third base voting for the All-Star game. That will be, uh, what, 13 days from now up in Seattle. Claims Online will be out there uh, once again, covering all things All-Star game related. So uh, Arenado, it looks like I think he was up 58% to 42% oh, over who? Matt Olson of the Braves. Which is, I mean, Matt Olson. No, 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 not Matt Olson. Riley. Austin yeah. Riley, yeah. For there, the, the Braves' entire infield is up in the final two voting for, uh, well, for that. Acuna is already in the uh, in the game for being the top vote getter. That is, yeah, that that's a just a really really stacked team this year. Well, they're the best team in baseball. Yep. So I mean, I well, Tampa might have something to say about that, but you know, when you look at them player for player, position for position, there's nobody right now that has a better assembly of players than the Atlanta Braves. So. They make the all-star team, rightfully so, in my opinion. Anybody else from the Cardinals right now that you'd give that nod to? I mean, Gorman <laughs> Gorman was trending. I thought that Gorman, big, yeah. yeah, he's cooled off a little bit. Uh, but his numbers are still relevant with regard to home runs and runs driven in. You know, I don't think you can overlook Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah. I mean, he's not hitting over 300. But, I mean, anybody who watches him on a daily basis will tell you there aren't many guys better than him. And to have a reigning MVP not be part of the All-Star game, I, I don't know how often that happens. But I think Paul Goldschmidt certainly deserves some consideration. Other than that, I think everybody else is probably having an opportunity to spend time at home with their families. 
the American League MVP, it doesn't look like he'll be there at all or maybe not even on the field the rest of the year. He definitely won't be in St. Louis this weekend, that being Aaron Judge. They're, uh, they're kind of unsure what, uh, what his future looks like for the rest of this, uh, rest of this season right now with the, uh, with the toe injury. So uh, that's, uh, that's one guy you won't be seeing this weekend. Harrison Bader will be. Claves, I got a, uh, had a chance on Friday, first game, first time ever going to a game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, this past weekend, and I got to say, I was uh, I was surprised by the atmosphere there. I thought it would be kind of I don't know stuck up, maybe a little bit all the tradition and everything that they have, just kind of we're the Yankees. This is baseball, whatever. I was I was surprised at how much fun the uh, the game was and how much fun the atmosphere was at Yankee Stadium. So. Well, it's very simple. Yeah. Most of the people who were there were like you. They weren't they weren't avid fans. Uh, season ticket holders. This is a time of the year where a lot of people give their tickets away or sell them to tourists who come in and they're looking to have a good time. They're in all the facility understanding there's nothing like the old Yankee stadium. So a lot of people like yourself were probably in stands more than the, the uh, rabbit fans who have, who've almost given up on the Yankees as far as their, their prospects and being in the division that they're in, they don't have judge. Their pitching is a little shaky. Uh, you know, so that's probably the reason why you, you saw it to be a little bit more festive. That was, you know what, I'm glad you brought that up, their record, because this is something Rammer and I were touching on yesterday. We, you know, locally here, and rightfully so, we're focused on the Cardinals, and we talked about it earlier, 13 games under 500. And that's, as far as, you know, underachieving right now, I think that's top of the list. But when you look at the Yankees right now with all of their injuries and where they stand, the Mets right now, 36 and 43, the Padres 37 and 42. This isn't just the card. The Cardinals aren't the only team that were favorites at the beginning of the year that are struggling hard right now here in the end of June. I'll tell you why. I'm going to tell you two reasons why the WBC, the after effect that it took on those teams you just mentioned and the players that were participating and when you look at the fact that the teams that are, are competing are all younger teams, you know, you think about the Yankees, you think about the Dodgers, you think about San Diego, those teams are a little older and these young guys are used to the pitch clock. These young guys are used to the rules. These young guys are, have been developed to the point when they get here, they're ready to go. You sprinkle in a veteran or two and here we go. And I'll give you the best example in baseball, Baltimore Orioles. Their bullpen is lights out. The two best bullpens in baseball right now are Philadelphia Phillies and Baltimore Orioles. They got a mix of veterans and they got a mix of kids who've been brought along slowly. So when they get here, they're here to stay. And I think you're going to see more teams start to go that route. Uh, the Mets are too old. Uh, as I mentioned, the Cardinals have age on the corners, but they still are productive. But they still miss that gap about guys at that next level who are in the big leagues but maybe are here out of necessity compared to just. And I think that's something you have to take into account with when you look at them, you look at the Dodgers, similar situation. They're trying to figure it out. Uh, Philadelphia, they were a mess early because they had too many guys at the WBC. And I think now some of those teams, Houston's another good example, you know, good young talent, but they had 16 guys in the WBC. And I think we're going to have to do this. Not to step back and think about this WBC and the impact that it has on your team. And I think at this point, maybe there's a limit of players from each team that can be provided compared to saying, all right, we're going to take 16 or 17 guys in your organization. No, 
you're going to probably take six or eight. And that way it creates more balance along the way, and no team is going to suffer like I think some of those teams have so far in the early portion of the season. That or just, yeah, move it to a different time of the year. I don't know. When are you going to do it? I, that's that's what I'm saying. Play, you're not going to play it any, at the end of the season. So what you might do that I mean that might be the next option to look at. No, well then they might may as well not have it then. Because nobody, yeah, nobody's going to play. Right, that's the problem. Nobody's right. going to play. So and, you you might want to do it earlier, leading into or including spring training and adding a week or two onto spring training, something along that line. Uh, but they're going to have to think long and hard about this because the current format did not bode well for a number of teams. Or look at doing it, I think if you do it every six years, maybe, and you do it, like like you said, in February every six years, that gives you a little more of a window to rotate in new players. You know what I'm how saying? About, like how that- about this? How about this? Why don't you do this? Have a preliminary uh, in spring training, and then you narrow down to four teams that play each other during the All-Star Week. Shut the league down. So, I, I, you see, the, the only issue there is I think we've seen it with you're, you're going to just get the four, the same four countries. Okay. You want to see the best in the world, don't you? You're, yeah. Okay. So you're putting them on the biggest stage because they're not competing against anyone in July. Yeah. You know, uh, they were competing against other sports. And granted, they got good ratings. I mean, they, it was mm-hmm. pretty well accepted. But when you have the whole shooting match to yourself, I think that puts your puts everything on the map. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things we can do. Baseball has bigger issues than the WBC, in my opinion. Uh, although I interviewed Tony Clark in in uh, London, there's there's a couple of concerns that they have, and fortunately, they're talking about tweaking some things at season's end uh, that will make this thing a little bit more effective. One of which is is that you and I talked about rain delays and rainouts. Uh, when you only play a team once and you're trying to find makeup dates to be able to go back into that city and play them for one game, you know, that might, you might be able to get away with that once, but I'll give you a good example. You know, you had the wildfires that shut down some games. So teams had to go back in and play teams on an off day. So now obviously that's something that's unique, but point being with weather, whether it's raining or on fire, you start adding up too many off days that players either have to travel on or play on. That's not going to work because yeah. players are already begging for more days off as it is because of the length of the schedule. I uh, the, We tried to go. We were in Philadelphia last week and tried to go to a Phillies-Braves game, got tickets to it. They opened the gates. Game never got started. After about two hours of a delay and no updates, we got out of there, got in an Uber, and about a half an hour later, they uh, said, they okay, we're gonna, yeah. yep, we're going to bang the game today. And I thought, okay, maybe a doubleheader tomorrow. No, remake the game uh, in September. So now – I got to sit there with tickets that I hope I could just resell. You'll in, be able uh, to move in September. Yeah. So, because those hey, two teams would be fighting for the division by then. That's the that's the plan. That's the hope. Maybe you get a Spencer Strider starting there and get people to uh, want to go out there and watch a game, watch him pitch in a game. Hey, we're going to take another break here on the Amron Illinois Lunch Show. Before we do those, uh, Claves, one of our new sponsors, the Ascension Charity Classic, going to be heavily involved with things we do here on Claves Online, including a weekly podcast leading up to the big golf event later on this uh, this summer, early fall. Well, one of the neat things about, we call it a walk in the fairway with Nick Ragone of Ascension Charity Golf Classic. We not only talk about the, the tournament that's going to take place here, and by the way, it's going to be a very good field. 
Um, the weather in September at that time of the year should be very comfortable. Um, we're going to have a good feel and we have going to have a big turnout. They've got some other surprises that they're going to unveil here soon with regard to participation. But this has become a mainstay staple in our community now uh, where people actually look forward to this on a regular basis. And they haven't disappointed in the years that they've had. it. They've had it two years now. And uh, it's going to be something I think we're going to look forward to seeing on a regular basis. But I would suggest two things. One, get your tickets early. B, what I've been able to be part of with friends is get a skybox and you can just camp out on one hole and watch all the players come through on the green or on the tee box. And you'd be amazed at how much fun you'll have because you're kind of being in like a party room. Yep. And uh, it's a fun way to watch golf. But uh, there are a lot of other opportunities out there. So all you have to do is just go online and check them out and you'll see for yourself what's going on. But we also talk about a lot of different things that are going on in the world of golf each week with the tournament that's taking place. Obviously, we had the live PGA merger to talk about for a while. And I think we'll continue to talk about that because we don't have all the details yet. So with all of those things said, uh, we're glad that the Ascension Charity Golf Classic is on board with us and we're on board with them. And you're going to have a lot of fun information coming up in the next couple of months. AscensionCharityClassic.com to get your tickets for that. Uh, the event September 5th through September 10th. Check it out at AscensionCharityClassic.com. We will take our final break when we come back. We got draft news, NBA and NHL, and some other blues news to talk about. But first, the quick 60 seconds from our friends at the Painting and Decorating Foundation. So what made you get involved in this program? I mean, you had multiple options, I'm sure, but what made you think that this is something you wanted to do? Well, um, I wasn't quite sure what kind of career path I wanted to take at the time. And I heard about the Painters Union and all the great things about it. Um, basically, they put you through this apprenticeship. It's a four-year apprenticeship. And um, they teach you everything you need to know about the trade. So it was pretty hard for me to pass up once I heard that. Well, um, I think mostly it was just knowing that you know, the, they're, they're here to protect you, the union is, and uh, knowing that I was going to be able to take my time to learn, I was, it wasn't going to be one of those things where they're forced to, day one, jump right into it. And I think once I figured that out, I mean, I love an opportunity to grow, and I think that that's the best thing. It's the Amron Lunch Show with Klaibs and Joe here on ClaibsOnline.com. Also driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura and powered by Graybar, a Fortune 500 company with headquarters right here in St. Louis. But job recruitment all over the country. Actually, 49 different states is where you could find jobs with Graybar by heading on over to their website, a distributor selling products that go into electricity and the internet and well here at Claves online it's what we need uh, the folks at Graybar to keep us up and running another sponsor here of the Ameren Illinois lunch show Claves tonight is the uh this week NHL draft we already know who's going to go number one but the Blues have already started making a few moves uh kind of looking at Again, it's not a rebuild. It's a retooling. That's, that's kind of the, the new word that we're seeing in sports. Uh, you don't want to say that it's a complete teardown, rebuild, 
or tanking uh, that some organizations don't want to say they're going to rebuild. They want to be right back into it. They don't want to take a year off. If they miss the playoffs one year, they want to figure out what they need to do to get back there one year later. And it looks like that's what Doug Armstrong and the Blues are trying to do. Yeah, they're trying to do it on the fly. Um, and I, I, I give Doug credit for this. You know, as you mentioned, you use the term tanking, which the Chicago Blackhawks did. Uh, they just gave it up because they wanted Connor Bedard, and I get it. But even when the Blues were in a situation where uh, they could have done the same thing, maybe not been as bad as Chicago was, they continued to compete and put players on the ice that still wanted to compete and contend for a job. Uh, you look at them, Washington Capitals were like that. Everybody else just, you know, folded the tent up and just said, we're, we're done. So hopefully this will work. Um, Kevin Hayes must have been a really bad person because John Tortorella did everything in his power to get him out of out of there, out of Philadelphia. And, you know, anybody who knows Tortorella knows that that's not the first time that's happened. So I'm anxious to see what he's going to look like in a different environment where he's going to be welcome. It didn't cost the Blues a lot. I mean, they gave up a six-round pick and, and got Philadelphia to take half the salary. So yeah. it's a pretty good deal already. Uh, what they do with their draft choices this evening, that's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I would imagine they'll sit on number 10 and, and use that one. The other two, basically, to me, would be nothing more than second-round picks, when, considering how late they are in the draft. So you have to figure out, can you package those up to get another legitimate player? Or do you try and develop those players down the road? Now, with that said, as deep as this draft is, you're kind of looking for somebody who's going to be reasonably close to being ready to contribute. Yeah. And I don't know what this number 10 pick is going to look like because the Blues have kind of slow walked a lot of their draft choices. And from the looks of things, rightfully so, because they haven't been ready to play uh, if you're throwing them out there. So this will be something that we'll have to pay close attention to. But I expect a lot of movement tonight. And I certainly expect a lot of movement when free agency rolls around. Now, having said that, you know, the one thing about the National Hockey League, they don't have a lot of capologists because all these teams are at the cap because the cap hasn't grown a great deal over the last few years. So you're kind of stuck. But with that said, you still have to be creative in how you structure deals. And one of the things you have to make sure you don't do, and I think Doug Armstrong learned the hard way, we're not giving up any more no-trade contracts. You know, everybody's available. You you can pay for what you do now not what you what we think you can do or what you've done in the past. And that's something that I think that the Blues probably learned a hard lesson from. So you have to be very careful as far as how you massage and manage the cap. And you have to find some other trading partners who are looking to get out from under some deals that they wish they hadn't done either. So I would just say stay tuned. The NBA draft was last Thursday, and it felt like it's a bit of a new era. Now in in the NBA draft, seeing the way that the uh, seeing the first what five picks of the draft and where they came from. First of all, I mean you had the guy that we knew was going number one overall for the past few years, Victor Wembanyama. Did I say that right? Close enough. Close okay. enough. That- <laughs> so he he's getting drafted out of France. You get Scoot Henderson, who's getting drafted out of the G League, and then you get uh, Amen Thompson and Asor Thompson coming out of the overtime elite league going four and five twin identical twins going four and five overall to the Rockets and the Pistons. So, and then you get another guy at seven coming from the same team that, uh, that when was from over in France. So five of the first seven picks, not college guys. So we're starting to see this whole new era, this shift in how players are going from high school to the pros 
th- this was kind of a fir- our first big taste of it. Yeah, throw in the global impact as well. Uh, this is truly a global sport where th- that many players didn't go to old state U. And, and I think it also is an indictment on college basketball because they don't have enough time to develop players. I mean, player doesn't like it. He goes in the portal. He goes somewhere else. Now he's got to start over again. So college basketball, as we know it, as far as being a supplier to the NBA, would now find themselves probably on the back end of the first part of the draft uh, in the first round. Because, you know, teams are like, look, we can get a guy who's a further along, more developed and maybe more coachable than a guy that's a one and done that went to old state you uh this is a this should be a concern if you're in if you're college coaches because one of the things you tell your kids is you know we can help you get to the next level well that may not be the case anymore because these teams are looking everywhere in the world not just in the big 12 or the sec they're looking everywhere and we're finding out that those guys are further along than the all sec first teamer those guys are further along than a lot of other players that, that came from programs that we used to highly respect. Now, that doesn't mean they're all going to fall through the crack. There are going to be some guys that are going to stand up and still be counted. But I think it just serves to notice that if you're in college right now, it's not a guarantee that you're going to be a lock to be a first-round pick because there are just too many more options in the world for them to choose from. First uh, non-freshman, non-foreign player to uh, to be drafted as number 14 overall. Jordan Hawkins, a sophomore out of UConn. Now, Klaibs, anybody that knows you knows how big you are in, uh, when it comes to fashion. I, I saw the uh, the pictures of you out in London. You, you brought your best out there for the, uh, for the games and for the gala. So we're talking NBA draft. I need to get your opinion on what we saw Grady Dick out of Kansas wear on uh, on draft nights, I, I need a I need a full I need a full breakdown. I need a full review of what you're seeing here. Apparently, he's one of the uh, escapees from Casey and the Sunshine Band as far as an outfit that the whole band was wearing. I don't yeah. know where you could get away with that anywhere else unless you're on stage with a guitar in your hand or a trumpet or something like that. That doesn't work anywhere else, including the NBA draft. So I believe you would have thought somebody would have said to him, are you sure you want to leave the house looking like that? (laughs) I believe his reasoning behind this is that like school colors, like Dorothy, he came from Kansas and Dorothy had her ruby red slippers. So he went and got a ruby red uh, suit. Okay. Where do you wear, what do you do with this after, after draft night? Where, where does this go? What, what happens with it? You hope somebody steals it. (laughs) <laughs> do we have anybody else do you have any other slides that we that's the show? only that's the only one i have i i did have i i saw a picture this past week of victor Wembanyama in a in a trench coat and he looked like you know remember the little rascals when they would stack each other on top of each yeah. other and go into yeah. the bank like that's what he looked like walking around in a trench coat i mean he is it, he's what seven five two hundred and ten pounds yeah, he's got some work to do physically. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. But, hey, a uh, throwback to what Lars Nupar said. You know, you get him out of Europe, get him to America, and start feeding him American food. Well, yeah, don't don't take him to London. <laughs> don't take him to London. He'll, he'll never work there. Uh, I can, he'll I can be 195 by He'll be 195 <laughs> looking malnourished. So I, I'm not sure if that's the route to go. Yeah, get it. Just, hey, bring him here. Get, get him some Texas barbecue down in San Antonio. He'll be up to 240 in no time. Let's hope down so. there. 
was it was it Charles Barkley that's uh made the comment about <laughs> feeding people in San Antonio? Yeah, with feed the <laughs> women there. Yeah, he's still catching heat from that. Well, claims that's going to wrap it up uh, for us today. We will be. I, we we got to go on. We got to go on the road somewhere next uh, next week. We'll uh, right. we'll figure out where we'll go. We'll figure it out for the lunch show next week uh, before the uh, the Fourth of July holiday, and we will be back with you for more. Uh, but until then, we have plenty of stuff. You have Good Nightingale coming up this week. You got a walk in the fairway coming up this week. We got Daily Cards Live. Jamal uh, Mayers this week talking not only about the draft but free agency coming up in the National Hockey League. Awesome. We have uh, so much to, uh, coming your way here on Lunch with Klaibs and Joe. It's the Ameren, Illinois Lunch Show each and every week, powered by our friends at Gay, uh, Gray Bar and Munganass St. Louis Acura right here on ClaibsOnline.com. There's always been a bright side to living in downstate Illinois. Ameren, Illinois is making it even brighter with a little help from the sun. Right now, we're building a next-generation solar facility to bring you cleaner energy for generations to come. It's good for the environment, your neighborhood, and everyone living in downstate Illinois. That's brighter thinking. That's energy at work. Learn how you can participate in solar programs at AmerenIllinois.com renewables.